You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for Fan Sided and Pro Football Weekly, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It is Wednesday, and a week from now, we will be on the eve of the NFL Draft. That is one of the topics that we're going to cover on today's show, and we're going to talk about some draft rumors and how it, they could affect the Green Bay Packers, particularly at the 14th overall pick. We're going to talk about potential moves for the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers in the show, but we're going to start with a topic we started to hit on Monday and evolved over the course of the week. And that is this concern over Aaron Rodgers' discontent with the franchise. And I mentioned over the weekend some comments that he made uh, at an event about Richard Rodgers and players play, coaches coach. Then a story from Yahoo came out. Charles Robinson, who is a very good reporter, reported that Rodgers was, was frustrated and upset by his relationship with the front office on moves directly pertaining to Rodgers. Not that Aaron Rodgers wanted control over everything, but just bring him in or consult him on moves related to him specifically. I I think the Alex Van Pelt firing is weighing heavily on his mind and the Jordy Nelson release is weighing heavily on his mind in this case. And we had this whole set of discussions on Tuesday about was this a fair thing to feel? Obviously, I made my position known on this. I wrote about it for Fan Sided. And frankly, I was, I was, if I'm being honest, I was frustrated. And I was annoyed. Because there's been multiple, this is like a third or fourth time this has come up this offseason that Aaron Rodgers has this simmering discontent. And one of the instances was of his doing. He went on Mike and Mike or whatever Mike and Mike is called now and said it was an interesting decision that they let Alex Van Pelt go without consulting him. And I made it clear that I don't think they have to consult him. And then he made a comment about Richard Rodgers and how he's going to be missed and how he helped the team. And he understands that players play and coaches coach. And that was taken at the time as a shot across the bow of the Packers front office saying, you should have consulted me. That there are these hard and fast delineations in the organization that shouldn't exist. That was echoed in this piece by Charles Robinson of Yahoo!, Basically to say, Rodgers feels like he has earned some input into decisions that directly affect him, his receivers, his coach. Except, as has been rightly pointed out, that is not a thing. Okay? 
teams do not give that to their quarterbacks. Belichick does not consult Tom Brady. Sean Payton or and Mickey Loomis certainly does not consult Drew Brees. Even the most tenured veteran future Hall of Fame quarterbacks don't get that treatment. So what leg does Rodgers really have to stand on? Well, this is very clearly a negotiating tactic. And this is it ended up playing out beautifully because later in the day, Aaron Rodgers has to face questions about this because he's at the start of the offseason work for the Green Bay Packers at the facility, answering questions from the media. And, and Rodgers, to his credit, says... You know, I got to trust the process. The front office does what the front office does, and they're going to make decisions that are in the best interest of the team or what they think are are in the best interest of the team. And he reiterated that mantra of the players play, the coaches coach, and the front office makes the decisions that the front office makes. And it sounded less like a negative, less like a criticism, and more just a matter-of-fact way of saying, my job on this team is to be the quarterback. He reiterated that he'd like to stay in Green Bay, he'd like to get a contract done, and the team would like to get a contract done, obviously, as well. And then, in in just terrific internetting, the Packers posted a, a article about Rogers' arrival back at, at in the facility, and and Rogers quote tweeted it with a joke about. They should make this a little bit more clickbaity, and I, you know, I wish they'd talked to some unnamed sources or made some stuff up. And he had a bunch of a great hashtags, and he made light of the entire situation. And this is a great way for Aaron to diffuse the tension and and to let the air out of the balloon here, because this had fans legitimately concerned, and it had the the league talking and the league media talking. And, you know, at least one Bears fan on Twitter, hi, Paige, talking about, oh, this is a good thing to have this sort of at odds moment. How much is Aaron Rodgers truly at odds with the Green Bay Packers? I don't know. And and I think the reason he's able to do this and, and the reason I say he played this beautifully is because... Charles Robinson, as a reporter, is extremely hooked in with agents. The sources close to Rodgers are almost certainly Rodgers' management people. And they can say these things, and then Rodgers can go out there and say they're bullshit, but that doesn't mean that they are. And he gets to look like the good guy, while behind the scenes... The team knows because the agent has said, we're unhappy about this. They've communicated that. This is, I'm just reading the tea leaves here. It's it's clear. Like we know beyond any doubt, Rogers was unhappy with how the Van Pelt thing went down. He was subtweet favoriting, sub favorite, favorite subtweeting. I don't know how that would work, but he was favoriting tweets that seemed like he was throwing some shade at the Packers after they released Jordy Nelson. And so it leaves you wondering, what is his anger level with the team? As I wrote for Fansided, his concern is rooted in a human relationship. It's rooted in him wanting to, to have say in moves related to people that he has close personal relationships with, his coach and his receiver. 
his top receiver for a decade. And you can, it's hard to find fault in that. It's, it's hard to blame Rodgers for feeling that way, even if it is in the scope of the NFL landscape, a somewhat irrational concern to have when no one is given this sort of ability to have this input. And even if he had input, wouldn't he be more mad if the team had solicited his input and then gone about its business the way it wanted to anyway? Because they weren't going to change his mind and he wasn't going to change their mind. So what are we doing? So uh, all of this, I think, is to say that there is clearly a level of discontent from the quarterback. I don't think anyone should be concerned that it's going to hurt the culture of this team. I don't think it's going to hurt the contract negotiations. Rodgers is going, he, he's got 30 million reasons to sign an extension. He's going to become the highest paid player ever. He's going to sign the biggest deal in league history. He's going to get a buttload of guaranteed money. And that's great. And obviously he wants a little bit more than that. He wants some respect. He wants some some gravitas when it comes to front office moves. But he he isn't owed that. And hopefully he understands that. I think that's the biggest thing is he needs to understand. And he claims to. I mean, this is his forward-facing comments say that he does understand. That he's paid to be the quarterback. He's going to get paid a lot to be the quarterback. And that's the role that he needs to focus on. I I hope that is the role that he's focusing on because it's the role he is best suited to do. Before we move on, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes and you'll be entered to win the giveaway. It's a $39.99 value, an Edge subscription. And they keep adding all sorts of data and charts and tools At your disposal, NFL draft content, fantasy football content coming this fall, a mountain of data there for you, but it is behind a paywall. Jump over, blast through, dig underneath that paywall by winning our contest name, Twitter handle, in a review of this podcast on iTunes. And yes, this is a way to get you to review the show, to give me five stars, but it it helps. It helps the show. It raises the profile of the show. People will find it more easily and people will see it and go, hey, that's a show people are are engaged with. If you like the show, help out the show by reviewing and putting your name in your Twitter handle. I'm, I'm giving you information. I'm trying to give you a gift for helping me and helping the show. So out of this story about Aaron Rodgers came a sect of Packers fans that has existed over the course of the last year or so that want Green Bay to draft a quarterback and potentially use the 14th pick to do so. Lamar Jackson, Josh Rosen, if he falls, that is one of the rumors that's out there right now. And there's this growing momentum that Josh Rosen could fall out of the top 10. I think that's ridiculous. I think he's the best quarterback in the draft. But, you know, Tex Western, my editor at SB Nation, he put it to me yesterday. He said, what if Josh Rosen's there at 14? I think he's the best player in the draft. What do they do? Now, my response was, you hold that pick hostage and you make someone come up and give you multiple high picks for it. That's what I would do. Because 
First of all, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to live up to what he says about playing into his 40s. I think assuming he is healthy, I think he he can, will, and should play until he's at least 40 if he wants to. He doesn't have anything else to prove, but he seems to want to play, so he should play. But that means that the Packers have time to put a plan in place for the future. You don't take a quarterback at 14 thinking he's going to sit for four or five years. Yeah, you have a five-year deal, basically, with a first-round pick. But a team picking at 14 generally doesn't take a quarterback that's not going to play early simply because if you're picking at 14, you have holes on your roster. And you can say that the Packers are picking at 14 because the hole in their roster that hurt them the most last year was their backup quarterback, and you don't spend the 14th pick on a backup quarterback. The Packers are not moving on from Aaron Rodgers before he is good and ready. And just based on, let's say, let's say worst case scenario, worst case, the Packers relationship with Rodgers becomes so frayed that, that he forces a trade. That is so far removed from reality at this moment. I mean, think about how Brett Favre had to retire to get to that point. And he almost retired multiple times before that. This was the will-he-won't-he dance for years before he ultimately did. And it it took until he did and the Packers had Aaron Rodgers to finally say, okay, Brett, it's time for us to move on from you. Aaron Rodgers has no leverage. He's under contract for two more years. The Packers can franchise him for two more beyond that. He's 38. Where is he going to go? Now, unless he takes the nuclear option and demands his way out, the Packers are not going to need a quarterback in the near term, not a starter. So why are you spending a top 15 pick on a player who's not going to play, who if things go the way that you want them to go, is not going to play? That doesn't make any sense to me. The other part of this, and I don't think it can be understated, Deshaun Kaiser is on the roster. And for whatever you think of Deshaun Kaiser, he played 16 games last year. He he lit the Packers up. And he has a ton of physical talent. I have I have watched, studied, graded, evaluated every top quarterback in this draft, or at least the top seven or eight, for sure. The only one that I think is more is a better prospect, let's say it that way, than Deshaun Kaiser was coming out of Notre Dame, for me, is Josh Rosen. Now, I know I'm I'm now talking out of both sides of my mouth by saying I would pass on Josh Rosen, but I wouldn't spend the 14th pick to get Rosen when I had Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Kaiser already on my roster. That is the difference. And one of the reasons that Rosen is as high as he is is because he is the best quarterback in this draft and... To me, that matters. He is he would not be the best quarterback in a lot of other drafts. He would not be the best quarterback in last year's draft. Deshaun Watson would still be the best quarterback. And therefore, I think Josh Rosen would probably be closer to maybe 10, 12. I mean, in my notes, I compared him to Derek Carr, who I had 15th, I believe. All of this is a way of saying their quarterback of the future is already on the roster. Deshaun Kaiser's 22. I thought he was a top 20 player in last year's draft. And 
although he did not have a great rookie season, turn the ball over a bunch, turn the ball over in the red zone, he flashed. He has physical tools. He has a big arm. He is much more decisive than Brett Hundley. He can make incredible throws, wow throws. Now, can he process information quickly? We don't know. Because we didn't see him in an offense that made any sense at all. Not not just not any sense for him, but just not any sense. I mean, running quarterback power on third and eight and we, just weird, bizarre things that Hugh Jackson was doing. He can be in a position now to sit and he is the backup. That's what he is. And in a year or two, he is a guy who started 16 games. If he plays well in the preseason, maybe he plays well in spot duty. You hope you have a week 17 situation where he can go and ball out like Matt Flynn and maybe you can trade him. Maybe you can add assets and and build for down the line when maybe in the future you need to get the quarterback. Getting the heir apparent now doesn't make sense because Rodgers has a runway and that means the Packers have a runway. But having a player who is going to be 27 when Aaron Rodgers is 40, is an insurance policy. The Packers, in two or three years, if it looks like Kaiser is not going to get a starting opportunity, can extend him as a backup and still have him on the roster. And he could be the guy down the line. Now, if if they can in two or three years, if it doesn't look like he's going to be a starter, you probably don't want to extend him in terms of having him be the heir apparent, I don't think he's necessarily the heir apparent because I just don't think that guy's on the roster. That that guy might be playing high school football right now. He might be on the freshman team. So uh, there's there's just no, the urgency level for me is not there because I believe in Kaiser as a backup and I believe in his talent overall that can be developed. So in a year, two years, three years, if Rodgers does decide, God forbid that he's finished. Let's say the Packers win two Super Bowls in a row and Rodgers is just like, I'm out. I'm good. I'd like to be able to walk when I'm 50. They have a quarterback who could be the guy. And to me, he's he's a better prospect. He's more talented than almost every quarterback in this draft. You are listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local daily sports podcast network. Be sure to catch up on everything new across the NFL with Locked On NFL and Locked On NFL Draft. There's been a bit of, of draft. I mentioned draft rumors. Josh Rosen falling is, is among the rumors. And you can't believe everything you you read about now. In fact, you you can't believe most of what you're reading right now. If it hasn't come out already, it's probably a smokescreen for something. Now, that's not always true. Sometimes, you know, I would say every year there's two or three stories we hear a week before the draft, two weeks before the draft, and we go, "Eh, I don't know if this is true. And it ends up being true. And so several credible reporters have suggested that Minka Fitzpatrick and Derwin James are more likely to be taken in the 11 to 20 range than in the top 10. That has serious implications for the Packers for a number of reasons. Number one, if they're not going in the top 10, that means four, probably five quarterbacks are. You're going to have Rosen, Darnold, Mayfield, Allen, and maybe Jackson, 
all going in the top 10. Quentin Nelson, no doubt. Probably have Roquan Smith, Denzel Ward. And, and we've done this math before, right? But so if if Fitzpatrick isn't, and Saquon Barkley, Roquan Smith, that's your list. We thought Minka Fitzpatrick was in that mix. If he's not, then who is going instead? If Derwin James is not in that mix, who is going instead? And I think the most likely answer is, I think an offensive tackle is going to sneak up. Mike McGlinchey. Connor Williams, someone like that is going to sneak up and be drafted much higher than we thought. And I think there could be some of those edge guys. I didn't mention Bradley Chubb, but he's likely to get picked in the top five. They're going to push down these other guys, but but again, players have to be drafted. If an offensive tackle sneaks in, I think one of those top other edge guys, whether it's Harold Landry or Marcus Davenport, sneaks into the top 12, 13, But it could leave the Packers with a a smorgasbord of choices. Minka Fitzpatrick, Derwin James, Harold Landry, Denzel Ward probably off the board given the way that this is all shaking out. Roquan Smith looking like he's going to be gone, but Tremaine Edmonds could be available. But to have your pick of Davenport, Landry, James, Fitzpatrick, I mean, that is an incredibly enviable position for the Packers to be in. They could get an elite blue chip defender to add to this roster, something they desperately need. And I think even more than that, it opens the door. If a team like Arizona feels the need to to trade up a spot to get one of these quarterbacks, that could make this even more intriguing. If a team that isn't Arizona wants to move up. If if the Bengals, I, I'm going to assume the Bills, Bills have already moved up. If the Bengals, who reportedly like Lamar Jackson, want to jump the Cardinals to get a quarterback, maybe they offer multiple high picks. Maybe they offer their first and their second to move up. And maybe if all of those guys are there, maybe it makes sense to say, We'll go down to 20, 23, and just bank on one of those guys falling. I mean, because if there are six, seven, eight guys who are all worth taking at 14, couldn't there be, and isn't there likely to be, one at 22, 20, 23? Now, that's the same logic that I have railed against with the with the Browns not taking a quarterback at one, this whole idea, oh, we'll take Barkley at one and then whichever quarterback is left at four. No, you got to take the quarterback, but that is a quarterback. The Packers don't have to do that. My guess is they will have more than one player there who separates himself from the pack. They'll have a guy available at 14 that they have with a top five grade. I bet. I bet we'll hear that in the postgame the post-draft press conference that the Packers had, you know, this ultra-elite grade on the guy that they get at 14 because the names that are available could be some of the best defensive prospects in this draft, if not, you know, the best. I wouldn't be surprised if Brian Gutekinds in his post-round presser says we had 
Minka Fitzpatrick as the best defensive player in the draft. We had Derwin James as the best defensive player in the draft. We had Harold Landry as the best defensive player in the draft. That's in play. Very much in play. And they should do that if that's the situation. But if they have a bunch of guys rated sort of similarly, if there's six, seven, eight guys that they all think are first-round players and would be great fits in their scheme and, and could be good, I didn't even mention Josh Jackson, and a team wants to jump up to grab a quarterback or wants to jump up to get a, a receiver, maybe Dallas wants to trade up to get Cortland Sutton or, or a different receiver. There is this momentum now that Cortland Sutton will be the number one receiver taken. Could Dallas trade up? Moving to 19 and, and adding a pick, that'd be great. So there are going to be a lot of options for the Packers. The draft is shaping up beautifully for them. I know that there is a, a pessimistic instinct in a lot of fans out there. I will say, okay, well, that just means they'll take Leighton Van Der Esch. Yeah, I understand. I understand that impulse very much so. But the, the way it's setting up now, it looks like the Packers are going to be in a position to get a blue-chip defensive player almost no matter what. We're going to have a show on Friday, and I've been promising an interview. I will deliver on that interview on Friday. And... Again, the schedule for next week, Monday, Wednesday. Wednesday, we'll have the preview show. Thursday will be the first round. We'll do a recap pod, a quick 10, 15-minute recap. And we'll do a Friday show. That will be a little bit longer, a normal a normal length, because we'll have potentially two players to discuss, maybe more even. And then we'll have a Saturday evening show that is it will be all-encompassing of day three. And then Monday will be sort of a big picture review of the offseason to date, the draft, and and everything. So keep a lookout for that. Follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers, AcmePackingCompany.com, Fansided.com, ProFootballWeekly.com, and always stay locked on Packers. <laughs>